As I thought about the scripture that we're in with Daniel, and of course we looked at um, last week how here's Daniel in this situation where all of the counsel of the king is being headed out to the chopping block because no one has an answer to his dream. And then God comes through in a powerful fashion. Uh, he never even told anyone about the dream. God revealed to Daniel the dream and what it means. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. God came through when nobody else could. And man, what a joy it is when we have those moments where we say, God, unless you show up, there's no hope. And he's there. Well, that being said, let's let's turn to our text. Daniel chapter 2, 30, it's kind of a lengthy passage, uh, verse 31 to the end of the chapter. I'm going to ask when you find that to stand in God's honor as I read aloud. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time. And became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. And now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he's placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything, and as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong, partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true. Interpretation is trustworthy. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel. And paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and 
the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for reminding us you are in charge. And as we look at this section of prophecy, Lord, much of it fulfilled, but not all. May we remember you. And I just pray, Father, that you lead our time, which remains, and that you might receive the glory that you deserve, Father, as we seek you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This is a prominent section of Scripture that speaks to prophecy. That speaks to um, the future. Title of the message, Seeing the Future. And as we look at this Scripture, we're going to see what you could label almost, well, that's boring history. But the point is, God revealed this to His man at a crucial time. And it ended up being true. Daniel ended up foretelling what was going to happen through history and thus proving that God speaks the truth. And, I, you know, I'm not going to set dates and we, or, you know, make any bold proclamations, but I will say this, as we look at the chaos in our world and the chaos occurring over in the Middle East, it looks to me like the time for Jesus' return must be near. It looks to me like out of all the chaos that's occurring around us and, and how, our, how our culture seems in such disarray and, and disruption, our Lord must be near. But with that said, um, let's look at our section of Scripture here. The first four verses here, 31 through 35, which we just read. Daniel shares this dream with the king. And you know... I think it's very interesting here. As we look at this section of Scripture, Daniel doesn't say, Oh, great king, did you dream this? <laughs> Instead, he said, Let me tell you what you dreamed. You see, he was in tune with Almighty God. And when Daniel spoke, <laughs> he spoke with a confidence because God had revealed this to him. It was a confidence that it was from God's mouth. God, God's words that were shared. And... And so then he shares about this incredible, dazzling statue. And, and in verse 31, it says it was awesome in appearance. You know, you, you think about, um, like in Washington, D.C., you have the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial. Some of these incredible um, structures. I thought the Statue of Liberty. And You know, we can go on with these, these monuments. But here we have a... a special statues, a, a special memorial that has significance as we look in the text. And, and he tells us here, it's interesting here, as he tells the part of the statue, parts of the statue, he speaks about a head, the head of the statue, and it was made of pure gold, so it had a golden head. And then it speaks about the chest and the arms, which were made of silver. And then he goes down and he speaks about 
the belly and the thighs, which were made of bronze, and then legs made of iron, and then feet that were partly iron and partly baked clay. And then as he moves on, he speaks about a rock that comes and smashes the rest of the statue, and this rock grows in size and becomes a huge huge mountain that literally fills the whole earth. And so we're, we're talking about power. We're talking about um, those who are in charge, and yet there comes one who is in charge over all the other rulers. As a matter of fact, as we see the translation of this, as God reveals in the scriptures that follow what this dream means, we learn that the most precious metals worked their way down in value from the head all the way down until you came to the one who was head over all, who started out as a small stone but ended up filling the whole earth with his power and his glory and his rule as all of this is revealed. And it's no wonder the king ends up at the end of this section of scripture prostrate upon his knees as, as he thinks about the greatness of this one who, who literally is powerful over the rest. And, and let's start out here. He, as he reveals, he speaks about Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, verse 36, he says, This was the dream, and now the interpretation, O king. He says, You, O king, you're the king of kings. You're, he says, The God of heaven has given you dominion, power, and might, and glory. He, he says, hey, it's in your hands he's placed mankind, beasts of the field, birds of the air. He's made you ruler over them all. You're that head of gold. He says, oh, king, you're a powerful guy. You're the guy that other people pay homage to. You're the guy that others shake in their boots as they think of power. He, he, he makes that proclamation as Daniel is speaking to the king. And, you know, to us today, we we think about Babylon. Yeah, you know, whatever, history, history, you know. But I want you to just give you a few facts about Babylon. And if you lived in Babylon or you lived on the edges of that great place, here's just a few facts. The walls that surrounded the city, in some places, they were 350 feet high. And think about that. 350 feet high. Now, that's a wall <laughs> that protected the city. Not only was it 350 feet wide, it was 87 feet thick. I mean, this wall was made to last. It was not made to be conquered. It was, it was not made to be broken down, but it was made to protect. Not only that, there was a moat that went around the capital city that was 150 feet wide. This was an impressive place. It, it, you know, it was not just some, you know, little kingdom that, you know, someone could just go in and, and conquer. There was this massive wall of protection, this, this massive moat. But then he moves on and he speaks about the next kingdom. You know, O king, you may be great, but uh, you're not all there is in history. As, as he goes on, he... He speaks and he says um, 
about the next kingdom, which is the Medo-Persian kingdom. It says, after you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. You know, can you imagine what this proud, puffed-up king at the time must have thought? Really? You're telling me an inferior kingdom is going to come in here? They're going to tear down this wall that's 350 feet high, 87 feet thick, and a moat 150 feet. They're, they're going to conquer us? Really? And yet that's exactly what happened in history as the Medo-Persians came in and as they took over. It's also interesting to note that the main currency that was used in taxation was silver. Because it spoke about a kingdom of silver. So there's some recognition there with that kingdom. And then he moves down as he speaks about the next kingdom. He says a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. And this particular kingdom was a kingdom of the Greeks. And they came out with a new type of armor to use in battle that was made of bronze. That was significant. And so as he spoke about this empire, the Greek empire, that would conquer the Medo-Persians. You know, more history, more truth that's shown and, and that's given to us and and then he moves down to a, another kingdom. He says, finally, there will be a fourth kingdom. Strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything. And iron breaks things to pieces so it will crush and break all the others. There in verse 40. It speaks about the great Roman Empire. Powerful. <laughs> feared. Conquerors moved in, took over other lands, and, and that empire it, man, it grew. And, and people, they were afraid of the Romans. And yet even this great empire would not last forever. On and on. And even today, there, there are some that interpret this section of Scripture as just speaking about the Roman Empire. But really, it goes beyond the Roman Empire because... It is the influence of the Roman Empire which comes to us. Much of our own government, much of our own civilization is built upon the Roman Empire. Upon the ways that they did their government is much of what we do. Upon many of our ideas that you know are considered the right way to handle government matters come from that background with the Roman Empire. And, and it's noticeable here as you look in the scripture, he says... Just as you saw that the feet and toes were partly baked clay and partly of iron. So this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it. Even as you saw iron mixed with toes. As the toes are partly iron, partly clay. So this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. And the picture here is this all-powerful empire, this all-powerful land, it's going to be mixed with weakness. It's not going to be all power. It's not going to be all strength. And this is a picture of an empire that fell from within. It was iron, but it became mixed with clay at the very foundation, at the feet that held the rest of the body. And, and 
uh, as that civilization began to become mixed with that which wasn't pure, there became a weakness. Um, you know, as you read about the Roman Empire specifically and other civilizations before us, many times, guys, that was the case. It wasn't always just a power of an outside enemy. It was losing sight of who they were. It was losing sight of morals. It was losing sight of a foundation of what's right and how you treat one another. It, it was losing sight of what mattered that caused a crumbling to occur. And I dare say, as we look at our land today, man, we're a skeptical bunch, aren't we? We were talking in Sunday school and and um, the conversation moved to in the matters of, you know, the political realm. And not trying to choose Democrats or Republicans, but we kind of point to where we're not sure we believe any of them. There's just a real skepticism that occurs because there's not a trust in the process or, or even a, a trust in the people. And, and, and I, I really believe that happens when God's taken out of the equation. And, and we live in a land that seems like we're just getting weaker and weaker. And it's frightening. It's 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 frightening to see the erosion that occurs before us. Some have talked about the ten toes representing a European confederation of ten nations that, that come at the end times. And, and, and as we look around us, we see a weakened world. And we see a time that's moving toward that last kingdom that is going to occur on the scene. Notice what he says here, verse 44. He, he says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. This is the kingdom that will last. <laughs> this is the final kingdom. It says it will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. And then he speaks, verse 45, he says, This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. And here we see the rock. The great God. Hey, he's the one who's shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. There's going to come a day where the true ruler, the true king, is going to take his place. His, his righteous throne. Proverbs 29 verse 2 tells us, When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice. When the wicked rule, the people groan. When the righteous thrive. When there is a leader upon the throne. You see, as you look in the scripture, the form of government that is chosen through the scriptures, guys, it's, it's not a democracy or even a republic um, as, as much as, you know, I'm proud to be an American. But it is a place where there is a righteous ruler, a holy monarch that will rule because he's righteous, because he's right. 
You know who I'm talking about. He is the King of kings and He's the Lord of lords. He's Jesus Christ. He is the one who will rule. He is the one who is set to take that place. It's meant, it's meant for Him. He, he, is, he is meant for that place of authority. Um, notice here, as we get to Scripture here, what happens? <laughs> the king, Nebuchadnezzar, this powerful one, <laughs> fell prostrate. And he fell face first, flat before Daniel. And he paid him honor. Man, what a sight. The one who was the most powerful one viewed by many of that day, and he fell prostrate before Daniel. And he ordered an offering and incense to be presented to him. Now, chances are Daniel wasn't older than 20 years old. Can you imagine a 20-year-old guy standing here and the most powerful one of that day falling flat on his face before a 20-year-old? And say, this guy deserves. He, he, he deserves blessing. He deserves gifts. He, he deserves attention. Man, what a scene that that must have been as that occurred. And, but I love this guy. I love Daniel. Look, look at his response. Um, it says, the king said... To Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries. And you, you, Daniel, you were able to reveal this mystery. Would have been a great time for Daniel to say, yep, I'm the guy, Nebuchadnezzar. And the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished the many gifts on him, made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon, Placed him in charge of all its wise men. Look what Daniel does that last verse. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators of the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Daniel could have said, yeah, I'm the holy guy. I'm the guy that God speaks to firsthand, and I'm the guy that you should be talking to. That's not what he did. You know what he did? He said, king. I had this prayer meeting because I didn't know what to do. And I called my three buddies who love the Lord God. And we got on our faces before God. And we said, God, we don't know what to do. God, answer. God, meet our needs. God, reveal this dream and reveal the answer to this dream. And, and God came through. And I want you to give credit to these three men as well. Because they were right there. They were, they were also part of this. God spoke to them. You know, when good things happen to us, there's almost always somebody else, isn't there? When was the last time when you reserve, you got some kind of blessing, some kind of promotion, something good happened to you, that you thought about the other people that helped you get there? When was the last time you went to them and said, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have got this promotion. I wouldn't have got this job. I wouldn't have got this, this blessing. And thank you. Thank you for being a vital part of this. Without you, this, this wouldn't have happened. And that's what, that's what Daniel did. And, and what a blessing. I think it shows a lot about him. It shows a lot about him. Second point, uh, as I close out here. Um, this is just a picture. He went through the kingdoms here. The, 
the different kingdoms you know, of Babylon and the Medo-Persians and the Greeks and the Western empires, you know, Roman Empire, and even up today, the Western empires. And then the King of Kings. That last empire is just around the corner. I, you know, I'm not going to set dates. You know, and I don't want to give you details because, you know, that's God's role. But I will tell you this. He says, watch and pray. Be ready. Have a, have a, have a passion. Because he can come. It says in the scriptures, he's going to come in the twinkling of an eye. And man, this blink stuff, that's fast. It's going to come in a moment. And we need to, we need to be aware of that. Thirdly, in regard to that is, uh, you know, we invest our lives in different areas. But the truth of the matter is, there's only two things outside of God himself that last forever. Two things here where we live. One is God's word says that his word is eternal, that it lasts. The other, people. People matter. People are eternal. People last. And you know, sometimes I get really aggravated at myself because I know that. But how often do I miss the people? People need Jesus. I know this. But too often I don't do anything about it. Um, I, I share this. I, in a moment, I want to ask Thomas to play a video. But I found out just recently this has been going on. But I, you know, had I missed some emails. You know how it goes. And uh, some of you have heard of Greg Laurie. He is an evangelist, has been for a number of years, and he does these crusades called Harvest Crusades all over the United States. Maybe some of you have heard him on the radio. He's on several Christian radio stations. They are going to October 5th, which is a Sunday, at night, and it would be 7 o'clock our time. They are going to broadcast free the crusade that's being held that night in Dallas, Texas. And the vision is we want the gospel to get out there. We want people to hear about Jesus and the hope. And here's the thing I thought of as I thought about this. I thought, well, you know, because they encourage you, well, you could have it at church, and you have a center at church. I thought, well, you know, of course, we don't have a lot of time anyway to, but to try to figure out by October 5th, you know, how do we get it here at church and everything. And then I got to thinking, most of the lost people I know don't want to come to church. Now, we could sit here and talk about why that is. But then I thought, well, maybe it would be better to have it somewhere besides church. And then in a process discovered that they are having it. Evidently, the people that own the Abington Cinema, that movie theater, they must be Christians. I don't know don't know them. But they're actually going to have the event that Sunday night for free. And so here's my charge to you guys, and it's it charged God's laid on my heart. There's a couple um, that's been on my heart for a while, and my intent is to take them out to eat that Sunday night and then take them over to the Abington Cinema to see the crusade. And I just challenge each of you guys, you know, I mean, surely there's somebody in your life 
a neighbor or a coworker or somebody near you that, you know, you want to hear the gospel. And you've invited them to church and, well, it just hasn't shown up. Why not invest in them? Take them out to eat. And, and, and then, you know, take them there. And, and, you know, I'm just going to share with them. This is just an opportunity to, you know, to hear about what God wants for you. He wants to bless you. This is just a time to go and, and, and to see that. And, and so anyway, that's my challenge. That's what I'm sharing with you because that's what lasts is people. And the other thing is God's word. And they need people need to hear God's word. They need to hear the gospel. So it's an opportunity for us to do that. October 5th will be more about that. But here, it's a minute and a half. I'm going to show the video now about that from Greg Laurie. Greg Laurie here in Dallas, Texas. And we're here to let people know about the upcoming event that's going to happen at the American Airlines Center. It's called Harvest America. From the American Airlines Center, the gospel is going to go out around the United States of America and abroad. So I want to encourage you to be praying for this event and be thinking about how you can utilize this amazing tool we're going to put into your hands. Or you can bring the gospel into your church sanctuary, into a local theater, into an arena, or even your front room. So if you're a pastor, get your congregation involved. And if you're a member of a congregation, go to your pastor and see if they will get involved. And finally, if you're an individual wanting to get personally involved, pray about opening up your own home to those in your sphere of influence who need to hear the gospel message. Listen, Harvest America is right around the corner. This is your opportunity to reach your world with the gospel. So go into all of your world and preach the gospel. And I want to personally invite you to sign up today and become a host site for Harvest America. God bless you and God bless America. Okay, there's there's the challenge. One last thing here. Um, you know, there's this stone that rises up and becomes a mountain that fills the earth. In other words, we are headed toward God. I don't know if he's going to come back first or if I'm going to see him first. But I'm not going to miss him. And neither are you. And so I guess as I come to this point of the service, we'd like to talk about response or invitation, whatever you want to call it. It's a chance just to, man, just to face that truth. Listen to, this is Daniel 4.35. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven. And the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, What have you done? So what have you done with this one? Let's pray. God, we are grateful for this opportunity, Lord, to be reminded that you know the future. You're in complete control, Lord. People need to know you love them. People need to know that you provided forgiveness and hope and a message. And Father, as you revealed to this king, you... 
he fell on his face. And when we love you with a passion that's real, people see who you are. They see that you are the one who has the authority. And that's my heart, God. I pray that we as a people, we as a, a church, family, body, that we'd be a people that walk with you in such a way that people would see Jesus lifted up. You made a promise that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So, Father, may we be in prayer. Who do you want invited to the Harvest Crusade simulcast? Who, who do you want us to take out to eat? God, who, do you, who are you working on, Lord? May we just be who we are. Your people, Lord. Carrying a message that matters. Because really, when it's all said and done, may there be more done than said. There's the gospel and people who need to hear the gospel. So, Father, do your work. As an altar is open, as I'm at the front, I pray that we'd respond to your call. Whatever that may be, may we simply obey. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you'll stand.